Shelby Christian. I'm Caroline Scott, and here's what's happening on the Hill. Thanks so much for helping out with Bells and Boxes, and we are praising God that all of our angels are gone, but we need the presents back. If you grabbed an angel, make sure you bring the gifts in by December 10th into the lobby. All right, you've decorated your house for Christmas. Now we got to get this place decorated. So if you're interested in helping with decorating the church, November 28th through the 30th, contact Brett Martin. One of the ways you can help decorate the church is by purchasing one of these beautiful poinsettias. They're 14 to 16 inches tall, $15 a piece, and you can purchase one here at the sign-up table. You've been hearing Dave and Jason talk about our Together initiative for benevolence and missions funds. And so now it's time to be praying about how you can give. The red envelopes are here, so be sure to check out all the details in the e-news. Two things I love, coffee and the Thursday night service. So if you've been thinking about coming on Thursday nights, be sure to join us next Thursday at 6 p.m. before the service for hot tea. We're going to have hot chocolate, coffee, and cider. We know you want to make Christmas very special with your family, making memories and reflecting on Jesus. So be sure to pick up an Advent box at the elementary check-in. There's going to be a card with all kinds of activities that you can do with your family every day during Advent. December 1st begins our Christmas series, God With Us. We want to make sure you bring your friends, your neighbors, your uncles, your brothers, your grandma. So pick up these invite cards in the lobby. If this is your first time here, we want to connect with you. Be sure to stop by the I'm New wall. It's the big orange wall. We've got a gift for you. Been out there. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, see, I think some of you have turkey coma going on here. I was telling somebody out there, who ate too much food this week? Brave, just wave at me. Will you stand to your feet? Let's get those calories burned off and let's give praise to our Lord Jesus. cross you came and broke them down you broke them down by, by your grace we are no longer bound no longer bound you call me out of the grave you call me into the light you call my name and then my heart came alive
church. I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I know you sit around the table sometimes and people say things and, you know, people kind of miss what you said. And, you know, as I think about Thanksgiving, I think about a time when I was a kid. You see, my father will not eat any kind of poultry. Chicken, turkey, duck, nothing like that. He won't eat it at all. I ate a lot of hamburger growing up. So, one, one from first grade, and we were learning about Thanksgiving in first grade, and about the first Thanksgiving, about how they ate turkey. I came home and asked my mom, Mom, are we going to have turkey for Thanksgiving? Mom says, Son, I can't afford to buy turkey if only you, me, and your brother and your sister are going to eat it. So I went to school the next day and told my school teacher, My family can't afford turkey. Well, Thanksgiving morning, the Salvation Army showed up at our door (laughs) with an entire meal. That was my mother's most embarrassing moment. Miscommunication happens all the time. And it even happened in the time of Jesus when the disciples were going out and they were sharing about Jesus and about communion and eating his flesh and drinking his blood, the Romans began to think that these new Christians were cannibals. They didn't understand the true meaning of communion. That true meaning is, as Jesus said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you. So this morning as we take time to come to the different communion stations around the room and you get your bread and you get your cup, I want you not to have this message messed up. I want you to remember that bread signifies the body of Jesus. Scripture says when he took it, he thanked God for that bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And with the cup... This is my blood, which is poured out for you. So as often as you eat of it, we remember him. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray this morning that we would continue in in thanksgiving of how great a God you are. How awesome you are in creating this world just for us. 
And Father, how your son came to this earth to live and to die for us. Oh Lord, I thank you for that body. I thank you for that blood this morning, which was poured out for each and every one of us. Father, as we look forward to Christmas and the great gifts, Father, there is no greater gift than what you gave us in your son. And it is a gift that we need to accept. So, Father, I pray this morning no one leaves this place this morning without receiving this awesome and gracious gift. We ask in Christ Jesus' name. Amen.
surrender all as we continue to worship today. This next song is written out of need. It's just acknowledging that we need God. And I pray that even those that come today that may not feel like they have a lot of need, I pray that you would be open to hear what the Holy Spirit has for you. Let's worship the God.
hear your children then You hear your children now You are the same God You are the same God You answered prayers back then And you will answer now You are the same God You are the same God You were providing then You are providing now You are the same God You are the same God You moved in
What's up, church? I, I really hope that this week you had the opportunity and you took advantage of the opportunity to really be thankful for the things that you've been blessed with, the things that God has done in your life and is continuing to do. And I hope maybe you dreamed a, a little bit too. I know that this weekend is kind of a, it's, it's one of those weekends where we know that there are a ton of people watching online and we're thankful for that. If you're watching online because you're still traveling, get home safe. That's our hope. That's our hope. We got so many people in our community that, that are sick. <laughs> Amazingly, the flu has returned, but that's a whole different issue. Uh, but if you're homesick, get well. If you're home because of the weather, get an umbrella. Just saying, just saying, come on, come on. We're excited about what God's doing here and we need people to be here uh, to hear that. And we're excited about what God's going to do. Next week we start, in fact, tomorrow, tomorrow, I don't know, maybe even this afternoon, I don't know what Brett's got up his sleeve, but the transformation of this building starts tomorrow for sure uh, to get ready for Christmas. So next week when you get here, it'll be all things Christmas. And I'm so excited about the series we're going to talk about uh, for Christmas. You know, Emmanuel means God with us. And you know what that means? You'll never be alone. That's, pretty, that's a pretty powerful, cool thing, uh, especially in our current world, in our current society. So we're going to dig into that next week. But today we're going to finish up this series that we've been talking about money's worth. And we've been doing it for three weeks, and we've asked a question each week. If your money could talk to you, based on what it is seen by how it's been used, if your money could speak, what would it say? In the first week we talked about the value of money, and, and what we said that money would say was, I can add meaning to your your life but I am not the meaning of your life. It's not wrong to have money. It's wrong for money to have us. And so that was week one, the value of money. Uh, I can add meaning to your life, but I'm not the meaning. The second week, uh, last week, Jason talked about the control of money. And the bottom line was, I am a great servant, but a terrible master. And no one can serve two masters. Today, I want to finish up talking about the power of money. And the bottom line is this. I don't last, if money could speak, it would say, I don't last forever, but you can invest me in things that do. Money would say, I don't last forever, but you can invest me in things that do. Now, don't let me confuse you. We said for the last two weeks that nothing lasts forever. So don't get confused here because what we're really saying is no thing lasts forever. However, people do last forever their soul lasts forever either in heaven or in hell that's fundamental to what we believe people last forever so friends our best investments are in people that do last and so today we're going to be talking about investing in in the work of the kingdom of god so that people other people can get to heaven when i was a kid growing up i went to a little kid i went to southland christian church in lexington wayne smith was a preacher there and i can remember wayne being asked a preacher if i don't tithe will i go to hell and wayne didn't even pause he said probably not but somebody will that's a pretty powerful statement that's a pretty powerful statement about what the church is supposed to do. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So what does Jesus mean by treasure? It's Thanksgiving week. What are the things that you treasure the most? Is it the really nice house that you live in? Is it all the really cool furnishings at your house? 
Uh, is it that really nice truck that you drive? Or the boat that you have that you had to get put away for the winter? Is it the ability to, to travel? Is it your job? What do you treasure most? I'm guessing if you really take the time to think about it, none of the things that I just mentioned really make your list. Because if you get quiet long enough and you think long enough, it's all about people. It's all about the people that you li- that live in that really nice house with you and that go on those really nice vacations. It's all about the people that water ski behind the boat that you pull in the summer. It's the people that you do things. It's, some of them are family and some of them are just really good friends. Some of you got friends that you've had since you were little kids. This weekend for I don't know how long, a decade or more, my wife has gone to Tennessee uh, for Black Friday. Not because she shops, but she goes to hang out with her friend Katie. They became best friends when they were in kindergarten. Let's just say that's been a couple decades ago. Those relationships are really the things that we treasure most in life. It, it could mean, in a worldly sense, it could mean money and possessions and wealth and abundance and everything. But it's also really about who's important to us. Family, friendships. Those are the things that are important. That means that wherever you are putting your earthly treasure, that's where your heart really is. That's what you really love. See, here's the deal. A lot of us, probably this weekend, almost all of us, because it's a, like I say, it's a holiday weekend, and so just like a lot of people that are going to come to worship today in person are people that are kind of like going, yeah, I'm all in, I'm all in. See, I can say that God is the most important thing in my life, but if I don't give sacrificially to God and trust Him, if I don't invest in His work, it's really kind of hard for me to believe that's true. Did, were you paying close attention to the video? Did you see that one segment of the video where it was after it asked all these questions and then it said, well, then why do we give 2.8% when God says 10? There, there's, there's a disconnect in there somewhere. Yeah, I love you. Like, you know, it's like this afternoon, this evening, whenever they get, Kim gets home and, and she pulls into the driveway and she starts unloading the car. I'm like, hey, how you doing? What's up? Or I can meet her and help carry things in. I can act like I really miss not being with her. I can do things with my actions that portray what I say with my mouth. And we do the same thing when we, when we worship and when we serve and when we give to holy God. Where our treasure is, that's where our heart really is. It's also true that the only things on earth that we can take to heaven with us are the souls of people, the souls of people that we care about. And, and that's what this is all about. So let's just stop for a minute and back up. What can we do with money? I, I mean, whatever you've got in your pocket, what can you do with money? Let's just make a list. Okay, you can spend it, right? You can spend it. You can save it. You can give it away. And even under spend it, we can have all kinds of subcategories. So you can, when you talk about spending it, you can spend it to live. You can spend it to pay off debt that you accumulated. You can spend it to pay taxes. All those things. But here's what that looks like. 
spend it. Me, 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 me. Save it, still me. Give it away, okay, God and others gets in. Think about it this way, that's really backwards in God's vocabulary. It's like we're saying, if I haven't spent it all, and if I don't owe it all, and if the government hasn't taken it all, and if I haven't saved it all for me, then perhaps I'll give some away to God and others. That's, that's me first living with some leftover giving. And that's important for us to think about. Because Jesus, Jesus comes along and he flips the script completely. And Jesus says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. It's easy to figure out, and you can say, well, I'm not sure what, you know, if I am or if I'm not. Here's how you can tell how much and where your priorities are in life. Look at your calendar and look at your checkbook. And that'll pretty much tell you where your priorities are in life. And, and, and we need to take that time and investigate that. J- Jason told us several times last week that God is not after your money. He's after your heart. In fact, a way of saying that is God is not after my money. It's already his. In fact, just just humor me, would you? Let's repeat that together. God is not after my money. It's already his. Yeah, that was kind of weak, but okay. God's not after my money. It's already his. And that is so, that is so hard for us to get our minds around. It's amazing to me how many times people have said, in fact, within the last month, I don't know how many texts or emails or voice messages I've got saying, Dave, I'm looking for a job. Can you keep your ears open and can you pray for me? And so, yeah, you know, absolutely. But it's amazing to me over the years how many people have said that and then they've gotten a job and they've talked about what a great interview they had. Not what a great God they serve. Who answered their prayer and helped them find that job. And who provided for them in that way. See, money is incredibly, incredibly powerful. That's, that's why Jesus talks so much about it. We've talked about that each of the last two weeks. It, it, it's why so many of his parables dealt with it. Jason gave us the statistics, an amazing number of parables, and they, so many of them talk about money. It, it's why the Old Testament law gave such strict instructions about how to use money. It's why the book of Proverbs, which is such a great book, because it has 31 chapters in it, and one of the things that I try to do is just read a chat, take a pick a month with 31 days and read a chapter a day. Just every year. I pick one month and I'll try to, that's my devotion for that month. I'm going to read through Proverbs. I'm going to read one chapter a day. And when you read through the book of Proverbs that has so many, uh, so many great comments and statements about how to live life, and so many of them are tied to money and how you use money, how you make money, how you invest money, and how you give money. And the Apostle Paul and so many other New Testament writers made it clear that we have to be generous because money is powerful. Money is powerful, but there's some things that money can't do. There are some things that money just simply cannot do. For instance, money cannot keep you safe. Money cannot keep you safe. Look at this passage in Proverbs eleven twenty eight. Whoever trusts in his riches will what? Fall. But the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Look at this one. The second thing money can't do is it cannot earn you respect. 
It can not earn you respect. Man, we, we fight for that so much. We fight for that so much. Kids fight for that in school. We fight for that. We just want to be respected. Proverbs 22 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Humility and the fear of the Lord bring wealth and honor and life. A good name. Did you hear that? A good name. Any of your parents ever tell you when you started driving or when you first started going out on your own and you'd, you know, out in the community and you're 16, 17, 18, whatever, and any of you had that talk as you left the house that time and mom or dad said, remember who you are. Remember whose you are. All right? A good name is so important. Humility, fear the Lord. Those are the things that make you wealthy. Not silver, not gold, not an awesome salary, not your 401k. It's a good name. Humility, fear of the Lord. A third thing that money cannot do is this. Money cannot make you happy. Money cannot make you happy. Do you, do you remember a time in your life when you were making X? You were making a certain salary and you said in your mind or you maybe even wrote it down as a goal or something like that and you put a number if only I could get to Y I'm at exit if only I could get to Y then life would be like so 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 easy everybody, everybody ever do that and you got there and what Y moved right Y moved how much is enough just a little bit more just a little bit more. Here's what Ecclesiastes 5 says. Whoever loves money never has enough money. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Finally, the fourth thing money cannot do is money does not last. <laughs> it's undependable. Right now, like, it's crazy right now. I, I mean, you know, it's, right now, who knows? Who knows? I know what I know what prices are out, and yeah, I know. I, I look, you know, I look at the stock market every day, and right now it's like, okay, that's you know. But who knows when like the the absolute bottom is going to fall out? And we've put so much of our time and energy into things, and money is so undependable. It, it always has soaring interest rates and fluctuating stock values, and then the volatile global market, and you're trying to figure out which country are we supposed to be watching there, you know, which one's it, and inflation and recession and depression. It's all over the place. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5 says, Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. There's some things money can't do, but it's still powerful, right? It's still powerful. It's better to, to have some than to not have some as long as it doesn't have you. And when we invest it in the things that, are, that matter most, we're, we're storing up treasure in heaven. So, so how do we do that? We invest in things that will help get people to heaven. I want to say this very slowly and clearly. I mean, you don't have to agree with me. You really, you have the, it's your choice. You don't have to. But I've learned some lessons over the years about the importance of helping others get to heaven. And please understand, we are not trying to fill a church building. We are trying to fill heaven. That is our goal each and every week. 
That's why it's so important that we do things so precisely and that we plan because we never know from one week to the next when a certain person is going to walk in the door that it's their opportunity to get in line with Jesus and to be able to spend eternity in heaven. In the Old Testament, the people of God, they were commanded to tithe. It was kind of, it was kind of legalistic to give 10% of everything, not just their, their, their financial currency of the day, but of everything, of their livestock, of their, of their harvest, of everything they have. God owns everything anyway, but they were commanded to give 10% back to him as part of their worship. And then Jesus comes and he lives and he dies for our sins. He goes back to heaven. And in the New Testament, we're told to give as we've been blessed. We're not commanded to to give just 10%, but according to God's blessing to us. Think about that. The people of the Old Testament lived under law, but, but not grace. And we live under grace. Many of these people that were hearing this teaching when it was being taught for the very first time, they lived in poverty. Many of them lived in slavery when they're hearing this teaching. And God was faithful and they were blessed, but they gave 10% of their hard-earned, often measly wages because that's what God asked them to do. That's what God told them to do. In contrast to our lives today as believers, we have the blessing and grace and forgiveness of God. We've been saved through faith in Jesus Christ. We've got all that. And so I think according to the Bible, tithing is now simply the baseline for Christians. In fact, in the very last book in the Old Testament, in Malachi, in the very last book in the Old Testament, before we had this 400 years of silence, Malachi speaks for God about the people robbing God. And like, who would rob God? How, that, how would you even do that? And he said, you're robbing God by not bringing your tithe into the storehouse. But if you bring those tithes in the storehouse and trust God, he'll going to throw up a floodgate of blessings that you can't even imagine. You're going to get overflown by it. And so I think in the New Testament, tithing is the baseline. Not in a legalistic way. Not in a legalistic way. You know, one of the things that I always stress, nobody here will ever ask for anybody's W-2. We're not checking. But we're just saying, you know, this is what God says. And so you and God figured that out. I, I don't know what anybody in our church gives except for Kim and I. Sometimes I don't even know that because she does it. I, I don't want to know. I don't know. I don't want to know because if I knew, then I couldn't feel so confident just preaching the word of God because I might be tainted because I'm human. But when I don't know what anybody makes or what anybody gives, I can just tell you what God says. And I can be comfortable in that. And, and I told you many times that one of the greatest lessons my dad ever taught me was tithing. Some of you guys have heard this story 20 times. The very first dollar I ever got as an allowance for my dad was when I was six years old on a Saturday morning and he came to breakfast in the kitchen and he set 10 dimes in front of me. And I looked at him kind of funny and he said, one of those is God's. I started doing the math. I was pretty good at math. I'm like, well, that means nine of them are mine. At that time, when I was six years old, a pack of baseball cards cost a nickel. And I did the math really quick, and I could get 18 packs of baseball cards every week and give God one, one dime. My dad didn't expect me to understand the principle of tithing at all. 
what he expected me to understand was the rote value of just doing it. Just doing it. Just doing it. And so, I, you know, I can honestly say I've tithed or more out of every dollar I've ever made. And I was so blessed when I met Kim and we started dating and we got married that she believed in it too. And so there's so many things we screwed up uh, in raising our family and our marriage. But the the one thing, we can go to our grave knowing we've never screwed that one up. Never. And we would have to back up to, to tithe. Because we've understood that the New Testament says that's the baseline. That's where you start and then you move forward. You, you give 10%, you try to save 10%, you live on 80%. And then if you start living on a little bit less than 80%, you can start adding to the give and to the save. And, you know, I'm getting to the point, I'm really working hard to like, I want to be like... 30, 30, 30 across there and, and just kind of finish out that way. And, but it starts with just learning to do it. Baby steps along the way. And the, the beauty is that when, like for me, all I can tell you is when I started with a dollar and I gave 10% over the years when the numbers have increased a little bit, it was easy because the percentage never changed. It just kept increasing as everything else increased over the years. See, if we really believe people will go to heaven or hell when they die, and that we can invest in things that make heaven bigger and hell smaller, it's ridiculous not to. It's ludicrous not to. Proverbs eleven twenty five says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. We've got, man, we've got so many dreams. Shelby Christian Church has so many dreams. And the local church, I believe, and when it talks about the storehouse in Malachi, I believe that's the local church. And Jesus said, here's the, here's the vehicle in which I'm going to help get people to heaven because people, the church is people, but the local church is going to be people that are going to go out and share this incredible message and it's going to make a difference, but some of that's going to cost and some of it's going to require finances. But, but here's, here's the confusing part. Listen, I am all for the humane society. All for it. Big pet lover. All for the humane society. I'm all about cancer research. You know, both of Kim's parents and my dad, cancer. Like, I'm all about cancer research. I'm all about schools and hospitals and colleges. And, 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 man, I love it when I hear stories about people giving to their favorite charity. And by all means, do that. But understand this. It's not your tithe to God. That's your offering. Because the tithe, biblically, if you want to do what God says, the tithe is to the storehouse. It's to the local church. And what you do otherwise might be generous and great and it's awesome and it's wonderful. That's your choice, but it's not storing up treasure in heaven. Tithing should go to things that are getting people into heaven. Now, if you choose to invest some of it here with us, we have all kinds of stop gaps to make sure that we are good stewards that we are good stewards with the blessings that we give. And we do our very, very, very best in every year to operate under in the black. In other words, there's going to be more come in than it's going to go out. We're not going to overspend, but we're going to spend properly and we're going to do things properly. And so that, that's, that's important for you guys to know and to work through. And it's amazing. It is amazing what God does. This year... Last year, let me back, last year was the greatest giving year in the history of our church. Now stop and think about that. What was last year? We were coming right out of what? The whole world shutting down. 
And it was the biggest financial year in the history of our church. This year, eh, not so much. This year has been, been a little bit of a struggle on weekly giving and things like that. And so we track that and we know where we are. And actually, Dennis and I have to report to the elders every month where we are in terms of you know, income to expense. And we've really worked hard at keeping our expenses down because the income wasn't there. And so, but, you know, last month we were like behind. And, and it was not a like unbelievable number but it was a significant number that we were behind and this week out of nowhere a check showed up for almost exactly what we were behind and now we're ahead now I pray that maintains through the next four weeks Uh, but all I know is When you do what God asks you to do, you throw open the floodgates of heaven, individually and as a church. We've got the Together Initiative coming up that jump starts our year. It'll be, the red envelopes are out now. You saw Caroline talk about that in the announcement video. Grab your red envelope on the way out today. And my suggestion is don't put anything in it today because you need to pray about it. But grab your red envelope on the way out today, take it home and sit it on the kitchen table or, or magnet on the refrigerator so you'll think about it a lot over the next three weeks and think about what can I do over and above what I've been doing extra at Christmas for the Together Initiative so that our missions team, our benevolence, our outreach can start next year as close to funded as we can possibly get them so they can actually plan and they can actually make a difference. In December, in about three weeks, you're going to vote on the budget for next year, and that's important because it's part. It's how we. It's it's how we drive this ship, and we trust God to provide. And so we we say, yeah, we agree in that budget. But now understand this: that day we vote on the budget. When you vote on the budget, if you vote in favor of the budget, you are also saying, and I will contribute to the budget. That's really what that's all about. Yeah, we're going to make a difference, and we're going to do it in that way. You know, an amazing statistic. Amazing statistic is between 85 and 90% of churches in America never make the 200 attendance mark. 85 to 90% of churches. And God has blessed us. We do that virtually in every service we have. And then we do it with the kids on top of that. And, and our kids' ministry is larger than 85 to 90 percent of the churches in America. That's an amazing blessing, but we have to take care of those kids. We have to take care, and we have to, and we got to go find more. We got to go find more. But I think that we are blessed the way we've been blessed because we've trusted God. We we've been blessed, but but guys, just hear me, hear my heart. We still have work to do. Our staff is stretched super thin. We've got a great staff, but they're all wearing multiple, multiple hats. We need more staff, but we need to take care of the staff we've got. And we have this, these mission partners here locally, places like ALC and like a Father's Love and some local missions here, people around the state, that, things like that that are bigger than that, people around the world, and we need to take care of them. And we've got to be good stewards of our facilities. We've got incredible campus, incredible facilities, but we've got to be good stewards. And part of that is taking care of what we do have. And, and what can we do? What can we do if we all trusted God together? 
That's why we call it the Together Initiative. Because it's not about one person. It's about all of us together. Let me finish up this way just and take you to two of the shortest parables in Scripture, okay? Because God is not simply, or, or excuse me, generosity is not simply a command from God. Generosity is the nature of God. And it's reflected through us. And if we're serious about becoming more godly, then we'll be generous because God is generous. We're, we're never more like God than when we give. What's the, what's the most famous verse of Scripture in all the Bible? For God so loved the world that he, he gave. Gave his son. We're never more like, more like God than when we give. And that's why our money likes to say, I don't last forever. But you can invest me in things that do. If you've got your Bibles, just real quick and we'll be done. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus told two of his shortest parables. They're back to back. In the New Living Translation that I'm going to read this out of. <coughs> excuse me. It, it's four sentences, 68 words. And what Jesus said in those four sentences offers everything we need to make life here meaningful to use our money wisely and to secure life in heaven after we die for us and others. In fact, those 68 words are kind of like a treasure map to help us find our way. <coughs> Excuse me. And everyone in Jesus' audience understood things like money and real estate and buried treasure, the finest pearls uh, that money could buy. They understood those things even if they didn't have them. And they had very little money, but they understood what Jesus was talking about. So here's what he says. Matthew chapter 13, look at verse 44. He said, the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything that he owned to get enough money to go buy the field. Another example, Jesus said in verse 45, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything that he owned and bought it. Now, stop for a minute. Can you imagine, can you imagine, I don't care how much you own, whatever level, but can you imagine there being anything, any item that you would go home today and sell everything that you have to buy that one thing. What in the world would that be? What in the world, what one thing would be? And, and it's interesting, this story, he talks about a guy, the first story, he talks about a guy that finds something. It's like a hidden treasure. And, and occasionally there's hidden treasures that are found in real life, like an archaeologist discovering the tomb of an ancient Egyptian king and there's all kinds of gold in it. Or a scuba diver finding a chest from a ship that sunk that nobody could find. It's got all kinds of gold coins. And those things happen like, you know, once a millennium or something like that. And we don't know uh, how much this man had been looking or what he'd been doing maybe he's just the guy that was working in the field maybe he wasn't looking for treasure at all maybe he's the guy that's working in the field as a tenant farmer and his plow hits something and he stops and he finds a box of jewels can you imagine stumbling across something like that just accidentally finding something and in your heart knowing oh oh this has got to be worth something. This has got to be worth it. And turn over a rock, uh, plowing again, digging a ditch, and all of a sudden there's more riches, and the heart's pounding, the mind's racing. It's no wonder 
he went and sold everything. He had struck it rich. The Clampets had come to Egypt. He was there. The second man Jesus told the story about was a merchant who specialized in pearls. And he spent his entire life looking for the best pearls. It would be like a a diamond broker today. And you hear these commercials on the radio. We go to all these places all over the world to buy the best and finest diamonds. And This guy looked for pearls according to the way Jesus told the story. But on this particular day, he didn't just find some pearls. He found the mother load. This was an incredible one. He knew right away. Well, the other guy may very well have been a tenant farmer. That just thought, this, guy, this guy was in the business. See, that? this guy was in the business. And so when they brought out this pearl, he knew. He knew that this was special. And so Jesus said he went and sold everything to buy that one thing. If you were to do that, sell everything to buy one thing, what would that one thing be? I mean, seriously, what one thing could possibly be more value, more valuable than everything else you own put together? But in this parable, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a man who found a treasure or a man who found a pearl of great value. He's not really saying that we should give up everything we have for gold and jewels. He's making a comparison. Our intensity about Jesus and about his kingdom should be like a person that's treasure hunting. Our complete surrender to God, complete surrender, our all in should be like a man who found a valuable pearl and was willing to give up everything else to go all in. What's it worth to you? What's it worth to you? You know what things are worth? Things are worth what somebody's willing to pay you for it. I have literally thousands upon thousands of baseball cards from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. <coughs> they're in a safe. They're locked up. I've got catalogs that tell me how much some of those are worth. I have a Lou Alcindor rookie card that some of you don't have any idea who that is. Uh, If you're under 30, ask your parents. They can tell you about Kareem in his early days. I mean, I've got, and you know how much they're actually worth? Not what that catalog tells me they're worth. They're worth what somebody will hand me in greenbacks. That's what they're worth. Other than that, they're just little pieces of cardboard. What's somebody's soul worth that you can make a difference in their life? See, this, this certainly isn't the way the typical American Christian thinks about their faith. Or that 2.8% number would never show up on a screen anywhere. It'd be at least 12.8 or 22.8. See, what Jesus is calling us to is countercultural. Jesus makes it clear that if he doesn't have first place in our lives, then he might as well not be on the list of priorities. (laughs) Ricky Bobby almost got it right. (laughs) Jesus is the ultimate treasure. No matter what else is important to you, if he's not first in your life, then he's not God of your life. Kim and I 
went to a conference last month in Nashville. Bobby went and our friend Mark Jones, his wife Gail were there. And we heard several speakers, but the first speaker was like powerful. The very first guy that spoke was a guy named David Young. He was a pastor in the Nashville area. And it was really interesting because where I was sitting, where, where Bobby and Kim and I were sitting, we could see him kind of slide in the door on the side after the service, after the program had already started. And that was kind of odd and everything, the way he did that. But the reason was he's undergoing chemo. He's battling what the doctors have said is terminal cancer. And, and so when that part becomes known, you could hear a pin drop. Everybody in the place is all ears. And he said so many profound things, but Mark and I jotted some of them down. He said, your diagnosis is coming, so do something that matters. Hmm. We won't all get cancer, but we are all dying. Do something that matters. Here's another thing he said. He said, everything you meet is fighting a cosmic battle. Everyone you meet is fighting a cosmic battle. So be kind. He said, courage when you're dying of cancer is to not get discouraged. I really like that. Courage when you get the diagnosis that it's cancer is to not get discouraged. But this is the one that really hits home the most. Don't wait till you're dying to be grateful. What's money worth? What kind of difference do we want to make the way we love? If, if our money could talk, I believe it would say, I don't last forever, but you can invest me in things that do. Now, here's the deal. I don't know every person in this room. I know a lot of you. I would say I know most of you. I know a whole lot of stories that are sitting around in this room. But there may very well be someone sitting here right now that this has seemed ridiculous because you don't know Jesus. If you do know Jesus and it seemed ridiculous, we need to talk. But if you don't know Jesus, let's just start there. Let's just start there. Get to knowing. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put it on the line. Beg you. Don't wait till next week. Don't as soon as this song starts, head to the door. If you're a greeter, you've got plenty of time to get to the door. And don't get in the way of someone else that may be coming to talk to Bobby or Dennis or somebody about giving their life to Jesus. And if you need to talk, don't wait till next week. David Young preached a powerful sermon and he didn't know if he'll be preaching next year. You know, we don't know. We don't know. We had four funerals last week, the week before Easter. I got a call yesterday driving home about another one that I'm going to do this week. It, it just keeps coming. Just keeps coming. Don't wait too long. If you need Jesus in your life, I want to invite you always sing to head back to the decision room over there. Um, Bobby will be over there and Brett. And we can put some other people over there. If you need to talk to somebody, do it today. But you guys stand. Let's sing together. Let's worship together. And if you need to get it right with Jesus today, I encourage you to make that step.
Let praise. Let praise be a weapon that silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise. Let praise arise. Let it See you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. Who fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. Let faith be a song that overcomes the rages. Let faith be a song that calms the storm inside of me. Let it rise. Let faith arise. Let it rise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. We'll fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, this is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. For fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side, forever lift in high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. And we'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. For fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side, forever lift in high. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, we praise. 
week. And here's the deal, though. Christmas next week, in fact, by Thursday night, for those of you who are Thursday nighters that are here today, because we didn't have it last week, Thursday night, everything will be decorated, so it's going to start tomorrow. But here's what we need. There's really times that today's the only day uh, to buy poinsettias. If you want to buy a poinsettia to help decorate in honor or in memory of a family member, stop at the table over there. There's envelopes. You can fill it out, put the money in it, and we got to send that order in tonight. Other than that, let's get out of here. Let's go love God, love people. Let's go change the world. Here's all the announcements on the screen.